Warning, this is the Vulgar Atheist Podcast your mama was warning you about. Also, you have a weird mom. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Robin Hood and by Electromagnetic Pulses, the preferred solution to Christmas music saturation. Electromagnetic Pulses, because noise-canceling headphones are selfish. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hello, this is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yes, I am dressed like a pilgrim gas station attendant right now. I don't know why. And I'm here to deny any rumors that might be going around that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. There's no such thing as a monkey. That's ridiculous. That is the official White House stance. It's December 20th. And it's Go Caroling Day. You throw one water balloon, they never bother you again. I'm just saying. All set. <laughs> no illusions. <laughs> I'm Elav Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from respect-adjacent New Jersey, <laughs> Cincinnati Swing State, and good husband Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, we ask if George Pell fucks a kid in an Australian forest, does it make a sound? <laughs> We learn about the Bible's take on heteronormative pegging. <laughs> we do. And we'll remember those we've lost in the war on Christmas. But first, the diatribe. Of all the modern-day Christian apologetics, perhaps none is as pervasive as the argument that somebody's religion gives their life meaning. And I find it odd that so many people would cling to that one since it's the one argument they have that actually gets worse the more generously you interpret it. I mean, you know, the Gen 1 answer here is that gives my life meaning isn't one of the variables that we use to determine truth value. I'd venture to say that most of the things that might give one's life meaning are untrue, but that kind of misses the point, right? People don't say, my religion gives my life meaning, therefore it's true. They say, my religion gives my life meaning, therefore it doesn't matter if it's true. So if we want to meet this argument where it is, we have to weigh the value of having a life with meaning versus the value of believing true things. And while that makes their argument harder to defense, it makes it way worse once you do. So, okay, our first challenge here is defining our terms. I'm inclined to say that a life having meaning is a nonsensical notion. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's possible to ascribe meaning to moments in one's life, even large swaths of one's life. But the idea that a life is going to have some singular overall meaning is downright teleological. At that point, the argument basically assumes what it's trying to prove by even suggesting a life can have meaning. But maybe I'm wrong here, right? Like, maybe I'm just such a wretched heathen that I can't even comprehend what it would be like to have a life with meaning. So for the sake of the argument, let's grant that A, a life can have meaning, and B, that a life with meaning is better than one without it. Even after that, the apologists have a huge hurdle to cross, which is proving that their religion is an effective way to give life meaning. And that's more of an uphill battle than most of these folks realize. We talked a couple of weeks ago about a survey that showed that, you know, when you ask people what gives their lives meaning, they're more likely to say money than religion, even if they're religious. 
According to self-reports, family, friends, career, and money are all better at giving people's lives meaning than religion, and they don't generally require you to believe untrue things or wake up early on Sunday. And while that weakens their argument, it doesn't exactly overcome it, right? Because I'm talking about statistics, and they're talking about experience. It may very well be that for most people, family and career are better, but for them personally, religion is the best way to give their lives meaning. But even then, they're confronted by the obvious problem of explaining what that meaning is, right? I mean, based on what I know of God's mysterious ways from watching 175 Christian movies, the meaning of your life might just be to distract someone playing a more important role in God's plan so that they don't get hit by a bus. But of course, this is one challenge they're actually ready for. See, even if you don't know what the meaning is, you can still be comforted by it. They know they're playing a part in God's plan, and they know that the plan is perfect. So even if it's just to stop somebody from getting hit by a bus, it means that they've played their part. And and, and that sounds kind of bullshitty, but it, it actually checks out logically. If I found out that I was going to be involved in the first manned mission to Mars, there would certainly be particular roles I'd want to play more than others. But even if I didn't know the role, I'd be pretty stoked. Of course, they don't usually have the sense to retreat to that defense, but it doesn't much matter. They'll usually say that the meaning of their life is to spread the gospel and live in Christ's image. And as lame a meaning as that is, if you think about it, they've got plenty of florid language at the ready to make it seem like a Zelda quest or something. Of course, this directly conflicts with their mysterious ways, get out of jail free card thing, since they're ascribing intentionality to God while simultaneously holding that one cannot know the will of God. But, you know, they can talk through that by invoking some I know in my heart, Holy Spirit based excuse, even if they don't think of the Mars trip analogy. So at this point, I feel like we're being as generous with this argument as is intellectually possible and, and a lot more generous than is intellectually warranted. We're accepting half a dozen unstated premises and we're letting them special plead their way out of a couple of different contradictions. And at that point, we actually find the ugliest possible interpretation of this argument. See, if meaning really is something that's important, so important that it's worth intellectual dishonesty that could be manipulated by a malevolent actor to get there, then how fucking dare you mislead people into thinking they already have it when they might not? It, you know, if people really do need meaning and this meaning that you offer is held up by an intellectually dubious premise, then what you're really doing is tricking them into thinking the problem is solved when it isn't. I, I, I mean, the human body needs food. If I trick you into thinking I'm giving you some, I haven't done you any favors. And to really understand how nefarious this is, you have to consider the context of this apologetic. Again, this isn't offered up as proof that they're right, but rather it's used to dismiss the argument without reflection. The fact that they brought this up is all but a concession that you made a good point, or at least one they can't logically refute, or at best, to prevent you from doing so in the future. And, and when you think about how knowing works... It occurs to you that you can't always know what you want to know, which means that you're depriving your life of meaning with an illusory meaning that could crumble at any second. And that would be bad enough if they were just doing it to themselves. You don't have to meet a hell of a lot of newly minted middle-aged atheists wondering what the fuck they just did with the first half of their lives to understand how devastating that can be. But the good news is, like I said, we were being way too generous with this argument to begin with. It falls apart way before we get to consequences. The very idea something can give one's life meaning relies on the misconception that life doesn't have inherent meaning already. Hell, life is where meaning comes from. And that's self-evident unless you've been force-fed the narrative that we all started as fallen sinners that needed some religion to fix us. Religion didn't give your life meaning. It took the fucking meaning away and then tried to sell it back to you.
They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are Vulgarians with a backlog. He then writing Eli Bosnick. Fellas, I got another vulgarity for charity insult to open up. Eric donated $200 to Modest Needs for us to roast his brother and his workplace, Ross. Mm, okay. Right. I mean, I think it's fitting that he chose those two because they both look like they should have stayed in a calendar. It's like a calendar <laughs> someone threw away. Eric's brother, you look like a fencing instructor. She tells you not to worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, so this one was actually fun. Um, I drew a creepy goatee on Mario Paint. Okay. And I told Google Image to work backwards and just figure out what I was talking about. And amazingly, it came up with the picture we got of Eric's brother with his arm <laughs> around his next victim in the woods, which is clearly what's happening in that picture. And then it actually rolled me a wooden skee ball out of my screen that said, call the pre-crime division. Um, he's going to kill that lady. Also, don't shop at uh, Ross. It's, it's gross. It's, yeah. it's gross. All right. So while we take care of our civic duty, we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's sponsor, Robin Hood. Huh. That's cool. Hey, Eli, uh, what you doing there? Oh, I was just thinking of getting into trading stocks and stuff. So oh, I was actually... Eli, trust me, you don't need a little app to trade stocks. Just follow me. Did... Did you have that installed in my room? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, this is the secret cabal of guys who trade stocks. Eli, meet Kyle Ryan, Ryan Kyle, Ryan Kyle, 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 and Ryan Kyle. Wow. Are you all really yes, named? Yes, 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 they are. Um, Kyle, want to show him the way? Sure. So this is your chair. You're going to want to spend eight, uh, nine hours a day in this bad boy. So go ahead and get a model that... Mixes health and comfort. You're going to want Actually, that. guys, I, I just downloaded Robin Hood. Uh, Robin Hood? I'm a different person, by the way. What's Robin Hood? Uh, Robin Hood. It's, it's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. No, uh, Eli, uh, Heath again, by the way. The way you balance out commissions is by jockeying the hit more to the hanky-wazzle. Hanky-wazzle, mumble-mumble, hanky-wazzle. Yeah, right. uh, no, guys, I, I actually don't have to do that because while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You, you just get to trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, you can make a trade with just four taps on your smartphone so the um, hanky-wazzle... What is profits? Well, you can find out for yourself. Robinhood's given away a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Just sign up at scathing.robinhood.com. That's scathing.robinhood.com. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to try that out. I'm definitely try that out. Kyle, yeah, let's try that out, Ryan. Okay, Um, different guy, by the way, again. So if you're not going to trade stocks with us, you want to join our crazy, shouty foosball tournament instead? Uh, no, I think I'm good, guys. Thanks. Okay, whatever. You're lost. Get off the bank. Get off the bank. We are shouting. We are shouting about this foosball. Stop. You're not allowed to spin it. We obviously said no spinning. Learn foosball. You're not allowed to spin. <laughs> and now back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, there's a legal tradition in Australia that when a high profile person is convicted of, say, sexually molesting children, but still faces another trial for, say, sexually molesting other children, the court issues a gag order to the media on that first conviction so as not to taint the jury pool in the upcoming trial. Of course, these orders only count if you're an Australian news outlet. That being said, I'm sympathetic to the goal of the gag order. So Australian listeners, just talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Start 
paying attention again when you hear Eli's strained pun attempt at the beginning of the next story. Yep. And uh, by the way, I'll give you guys a topic so you can talk amongst yourselves. Great. Yeah, no um, good, yeah. The drop bear is neither a drop nor a uh, George Pell fucked a bunch of kids. Sorry, <laughs> I, this, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. All right. fucked a bunch of kids. So now that the Australians are gone, we can say that, first of all, the Southern Cross is a wildly unimpressive constellation. It has nothing on Orion. And we don't put that shit on all the flags in our fucking hemisphere, people. Jesus. Wow. Feels good to get it out there. Right. We hold that right. <laughs> they they think we only think of like sharks and badassery when we think of their country. No, no. Also, uh, side note. Cardinal George Pell is a child molesting child molester that molests children. Notice I didn't say allegedly there. That's official. Um, yeah, that's because that motherfucker was convicted by a unanimous jury last Tuesday. Now, details are hard to come by at this point because of the gag order, but multiple reports from reputable American sources have confirmed that he was found guilty of molesting two choir boys in the late 90s and will face sentencing in early 2019, which is also when he'll go on another trial for molesting two other boys at a public swimming pool in Ballarat. A public swimming pool? Like, how does that even happen? Yeah. George Pell's just like, all right, giant game Marco Polo. Uh, <laughs> everybody versus me. You're all it. Close your eyes. Everyone at this public pool, close your eyes. <laughs> what? Okay, wait, but this gag order is to prevent a jury from being biased in the second trial? Is this guy's a convicted rapist, not pertinent information? They're not going to bring that up? Con convicted molester. I'm sure they will. It's, it's still going to be like appealed or whatever. So anyway, so we should say Pell is the highest ranking Vatican official ever convicted in the child sex abuse scandal. Uh, and that's a title he'll likely retain until we find out that Frankie Doodle Dandy did some diddling of his own. Pell is the third ranking Vatican official, or at least he was until last Tuesday. After that, it was reported that Pell was removed from the Pope's inner circle. I guess there's a couple of different ways you can take that, given the nature of the scandal. <laughs> and to be super clear, he was promoted to this position after the allegation that led to this conviction arose. And, and, and when you're talking about Catholic priests raping children, like credible allegation is all but redundant. So they gave him this job knowing full well that he molested kids. And yet there will still be Catholics after this gag order is lifted. Yeah, and also, Ugh. not for nothing, Australia, but maybe come up with another name for your let's keep quiet about the molesting than gag order. A poor taste, <laughs> poor taste, Australia. <laughs> and in square peg round hole news tonight, thanks to a recent article by author and sociology professor Kelsey Burke, we got an interesting glimpse this week into the twitchy, pent-up ball of weepy guilt orgasms that is evangelical Christian sex. <laughs> it's just tears and cum and frantic apologetics. And after reading a Lee Strobel book for the last year, this brand of apologetics was a genuine delight, to be honest. <laughs> because according to Burke's research for her book on this topic, evangelicals have a very active sex advice message board community. And one of the biggest themes of discussion is pegging. Really? Yeah. And in case that it was not familiar, we're talking about Christian women delivering butt stuff to their husbands using a strap-on. That's a big topic for them. <laughs> Evangelicals with latent homoerotic tendencies. You don't say. I'm serious. But, no. <laughs> wait, no. Wait, is it still latent when you have a plastic dick in your ass? I, I think. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, so... 
Apparently, there's a whole industry that's basically a weird little Christian-only version of the sex industry. Right, yeah. The only difference is that with theirs, the pages are already stuck together when you buy them. (laughs) Yeah. So this includes self-help books and advice columns and even Christian-themed online stores for sex toys. And now imagine they're all being run by David A.R. White. And he's getting railed by his wife with a big black strap on. Now you've got a perfect <laughs> picture of yeah, this Yeah, let's just industry. take a moment and, and envision that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody give it a second. Maybe Google <laughs> David A.R. White so you got his face right in front Somebody of you. Somebody want a Google's, Photoshop Google's or maybe a cartoon, yeah, maybe a, a tasteful little. cartoon. <laughs> do like the Wonder Woman thing. <laughs> perfect. All right. I'm going to give him a couple more seconds. This is <laughs> take a minute, recover. <laughs> so according to uh, Ms. Burke, These people are all convinced that God just wants them to be happy. As long as they're not gay, of course. Well, right. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) They're all quite certain that God is up in the sky being like, all right, well, that better be a woman ramming that large, veiny rubber dick into David Arrowhead's butt. Okay, yes, it's a lady. Enjoy, buddy. Go right ahead. That's proper. You know, between this and soaking, I'm pretty sure we're going to find out that, like, Christians believe if you wrap a towel around your eyes, their God can't see you. <laughs> Wait, what's soaking? Is that something? Oh, that is a Mormon practice that uh, young Mormons do where they stick their dicks in each other, but then they just like hang out with their dicks in each other. <laughs> they don't like do anything. Oh, you mean So sex. it doesn't count. No, they do not mean <laughs> no, sex. No, it's Heath. It's, it, for, this is Heath. <laughs> yes, Heath, that is Oh, sex. yeah, sex. <laughs> I like to relax. It's a very relaxing thing. It's very zen. Sometimes you move, you don't, you don't, whatever. So during, uh, during Ms. Burke's research, she found that Christian people are scouring the internet for advice on how to reconcile the Bible with their very natural desire to put stuff in their butts. <laughs> One trend she noticed was that men were constantly pointing out how the dildo they're getting pegged with doesn't really look like a penis that much. Really, it's not penis-like. Apparently, there's a demand, actually, for non-dick-like rubber dicks because that's more Christian. Some guy's just like, it's called a rabbit. Get your mind out of the gutter. (laughs) Jeez. All right, but so the good news is if we do lose Pascal's wager, listening to the guys at the gate who actually get in is going to be way more fun than we thought. <laughs> wait, 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 hear me out. My wife was wearing that, though. Hold on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as you might expect, the other big trend on these sites was also based on homophobia. Basically, Christian people were using these message boards to write <laughs> these stupid little essays about how they're actually extra heterosis because of the pegging. Really? <laughs> For example, one post said, quote, my dear husband is 100% man throughout. Whatever the fuck that means. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we thought he might have a lady butthole? I, I don't know. <laughs> but he loves when I peg him, end quote. I mean... To be fair, there is no better punishment for homophobes that I can think of than them not ever being able to enjoy any fun sex. Like, if I were a sci-fi <laughs> space judge, that might be what I'd order. Yeah, right. We, and that's weird since they're the ones that believe in a sci-fi space judge. I feel like they'd be accounting for that more than us, right? <laughs> and uh, what other example? Oh, good. Um, here it is. According to another post 
from a man who's getting pegged. Quote, I was talking to God about it again. Um, I guess he's been pestering God for a while to endorse pegging officially. I was I was talking to God about it again, and I really felt the Lord say to me, I love what you and your wife have together, end quote. Dude, take a hint. God wants a devil's three-way. Make it happen. <laughs> so, yeah, God is actually a big fan of pegging himself. If you really think about it, it would be irresponsible to not have your wife blasting you from behind and <laughs> shoving your face into the pillow. That would be unbiblical to not do that. I'm honestly very happy to hear that certain evangelicals might be finding ways around their weird sexual repression that involves consensual sex with adults. Yeah, like, that's great. Get that. Get that rubber dick game. Whatever you gotta do. I'm happy for you. Silver lining for around you. this dildo. Good for you. And in Space Jam news tonight, you know, as one moves through the world as a skeptic, you start to notice things that might pass by most people's point of view. Why are so many minion memes racist? Why can't anti-vax moms tell you what's in their thrive? And of course, why do so many professional basketball players think we didn't go to the moon? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember back if there was any difference in the scientific knowledge of like my high school teams from sport to sport <laughs> but there wasn't there's everybody was stupid just evenly stupid about most yeah things. I, I, I do love it though because i feel like lunacy is coming around full circle etymologically and i don't know if that's yeah. ever happened before <laughs> yeah so listeners may remember earlier this year Kyrie irving received negative press for his insistence that the earth was flat and that the moon landing was faked, and apparently none other than basketball person who even I'm vaguely familiar with, Stephen Curry, decided to follow in his giant, giant footsteps. <laughs> How does this happen? Like, all right, please welcome to the show, Steph Curry. He's arguably the best person in history at throwing a bouncy sphere through a circle. So, um... Steph Curry, tell us about literal rocket science. Yeah. That's why you're here <laughs> right. on this podcast. That's what happened. Yep, on the podcast Winging It, Curry did just that, asking his fellow guests and the hosts if they believe we'd been to the moon. And of course, everyone said no. Oh, Jesus. Except, except for Annie Finberg, who did the best woman calmly explaining everyone is fucking up hugely since Lucinda talked Noah off the top of that airport Starbucks. It's I, really I wasn't going to jump. I was just levering myself up to tear off the sign. That's true. That's true, to be fair. <laughs> And, of course, NASA, who has nothing better to do than had to answer this shit, <laughs> issued a statement saying, quote, We'd love for Mr. Curry to tour the lunar lab at our Johnson Space Center in Houston. Perhaps the next time the Warriors are in town to play the Rockets, we have hundreds of pounds of moon rocks stored there. And the Apollo Mission Control. During his visit, he could see firsthand what we did 50 years ago, as well as what we're doing now to go back to the moon in the coming years, but this time to stay, end quote. Now, when asked why their voice was doing that thing and why their eyebrows were so high, NASA responded, <laughs> what thing? I'm fine. It's fine. Come see the rocks we brought back from the moon, please. And thank you. Please. <laughs> just, and thank just you. you. Just come alone. Why, why would you need other people? And while I add there won't be any moon landing deniers there to my list of reasons I want lunar tourism, we're going to take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. 
A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. You know, sometimes it surprises me that this show even has to exist. Like, when a headline comes across my desk that says, Iowa Catholic Hospital will no longer perform vasectomies or tubal ligations. And I think to myself, wow, a modern hospital that thinks recreational fucking is immoral. I can't help but wonder why anyone ever needed anyone to point out why religion is a bad idea. But yeah, this Iowa hospital has decided to tackle the problem of global underpopulation once and for all because God's still been out of shape by owning and leaving a wet spot on the carpet. This is a building filled with MRI machines and x-rays and cutting-edge medicines, and their ethical posture is being decided by people who think common ancestry is a sin. But apparently, even as we sheepishly slide into 2019, we still need voices shouting from the rooftops, hey, they've gotten every moral question in the last 2,000 years wrong. Why would that change? Like, if I want to grab a positive from this year, my likeliest choice is the Me Too movement, right? But then I get a story like this one out of India where a theologian is assuring anyone who will listen that Christians in their country support the priest way more than the nun he's accused of raping. And I'm suddenly reminded that while we're still staked to this religious anchor, all of our progress is temporary. And this is such a fucked up story. Now, there hasn't been a national poll or anything, but feminist activist and former nun Kukurani Abraham estimates that about 60% of Indian Christians blame the rape victim for tarnishing the reputation of the church more than the priest that raped her. In fact, a disturbing number of them, that is a number greater than zero, believe that the nun should have been arrested alongside a rapist. And while we can question her numbers, there's no denying that a huge number of Indian Christians are lining up against the nun, up to and including a retired Supreme Court justice. But somehow that isn't the most depressing rape story I've got for you this week. And this last one comes to us from the good old U.S. of A. That's right. I'm about to up the ante on a sexism story out of India with one out of America. So this is yet another case of the Trump administration kowtowing to the worst instincts of the evangelical bigots, and it involves a 16-year-old immigrant who was raped in her home country. She makes it to America and tries to get an abortion, but instead the government took her to a crisis pregnancy center, a religiously affiliated anti-abortion facility where she received counseling. And just to make the experience even more degrading, they sent her away with a goddamn coloring book. The news reports don't say if it was an anti-abortion coloring book, but I'd love to see what that looked like, just in case anyone was still wondering what to get me for Christmas. And with that hint duly dropped, I'm going to hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And uh, not easy being green news tonight. Tennessee Congressman-elect Mark Green is making a late push for honorable mention in the competition for worst person of 2018. Top position's been locked down since November of 2016, but uh, damn if he isn't going to do what he can to crack the top five. Now, you might remember Mark Green for hastily withdrawing his nomination to be Secretary of the Army once his homophobia and transphobia became common knowledge, or you might remember him from claiming that psychologists classify transgender as a disease on the campaign trail, or maybe for justifying his opposition to Medicaid expansion by arguing that not having health insurance brings people closer to God. Yeah, um, so does pegging. Though. <laughs> um, just listing things. Sounds like Mark Green needs us all to send him some strap-ons at his office. Like <laughs> Maybe. Birding station style. I was thinking of a more personal interaction, but, you know, I'm a man of action. Well, so. <laughs> okay, so Green... 
who will join the enfeebled Republican House minority on January 4th, up the ante once again last week when he told an audience that one of the first actions he would take as a congressman will be to finally get the truth about the link between vaccines and autism. Fuck you. (laughs) The link's out there in the middle of an ocean in international waters. Yeah, (laughs) right. Okay, so specifically he committed to, quote, stand on the CDC's desk. They just have the one. It's very inefficient. And get the real data on vaccines, end quote. Not sure why he's going to stand on a desk for that. Seems like that would slow down a FOIA request, but whatever. <laughs> okay, but he's going to be asking for the real data. That's actually a smart move. Most people, they just say data, and that's how they get you at the CDC. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Uh, now, But Green was careful not to leave the accusation of a CDC cover-up merely implicit, adding later in the speech that he believed the CDC was withholding information on vaccines and, quote, some of that data has been honestly maybe fraudulently managed. Cool. Okay. So uh, here's all our raw data, Mark. You want to go through that yourself or you're asleep? Cool. Cool. (laughs) Glad it's more illegal to shoot you now. It's more illegal (laughs) to do that now. Yeah. He he seems to be fully aware that there is no single datum anywhere in the world that supports this alarmist bullshit, but he avoids the consequences of that by conjuring up a conspiracy theory by the CDC to ensure that the Illuminati reach their quota of autistic kids. It's, it's a weird end game they've got in their head. There's like, so lots of autistic kids now. Nailed it. Crushing <laughs> guess, it. Yeah. What can I say? The Illuminati love dinosaurs. Clearly. And, and, and just to make the story more terrifying and depressing, by the way, Mark Green is a physician. He has a license to stick his finger in people's asses in a work environment. Okay. So that makes me... Uh, still a felon. Well, not until the conviction, but yeah. Now, he later kind of walked back the statement or at least tried to eat it too, I guess. When asked after the speech about it, he admitted that he did get his kids vaccinated and recommends that other parents do the same, but it's not clear if that's because he's pro more autism or he's just a fucking hypocrite. Just rolling the (laughs) dice, you know. (laughs) Ah, See what happens to these kids. I don't know. And finally tonight, we have yet another story about how Donald Trump's America is collapsing in on itself into a sad little neutron star of ethnic slurs and intellectual failures. And in case it wasn't already clear from looking at the midterm results, we got further confirmation this week in the form of a a bluff, I guess, about the release of a video game that features Christian heroes like Jesus and Adolf Hitler, and uh, they go around killing evil gay liberals in the game. And apparently this was made by trolls who don't understand how fucking trolling works, and they accidentally trolled themselves right in the face. So Spending hundreds of hours to make myself universally hated to own libs. Yeah, it stops counting at some point, right? Like, like, watch, I bet the libtards freak out when I stab this puppy. That's you stabbing a puppy and nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, so the, the game is allegedly coming out in January, even though it's clearly not coming out at all on any significant platform anyway. But it's supposed to be a first person shooter called Jesus Strikes Back Judgment Day. And in addition to Jesus and Hitler, you also play as characters that resemble Mussolini, Putin, and of course, Donald Trump. 
And your mission is to kill the LGBTQ community, uh, feminists, social justice warriors. And there's a final boss that's described as a radical, frenzied, non-binary, gender-fluid, pansexual, humanoid berserker. That's an exact quote. It's, It's funny because all those people did kill the... LGBTQ community all the time. You get, because they do that. That's why it's it's funny, because you get to be them. It's very clever, yeah. So uh, we only even mentioned this story because it set us up for something, and we'll get there in a second. But first, I need to explain something to anybody involved in this trend of, like, ironic hipster trolling nonsense. You know what I'm talking about? So, first of all, you're not even trolls. You're, you're, You're talentless assholes with nothing to say. So all you come up with was... Look, am I saying something? Am I right? Am I? Am I saying something? Or am I not? Or is this nothing? Or or is not saying something actually saying something? Shut the fuck up. That's nothing. You're nothing. You're saying nothing. You're doing nothing. It's nothing. But most importantly, you can't troll the group of people called anti-Nazis. That's that's just being a Nazi. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. But, but you're not even that. I mean, at least Nazis have something to say. You're at worse. least it's an ethos. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're gross. But circling back, these empty husks of a personality did give us a chance to bring back a fun little segment for a special appearance. So let's go ahead, put 30 seconds on the clock. Merry fucking Christmas. There it is. <laughs> Ideas for the Donald Trump video game. <laughs> Go. Uh, uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, Need for Speed is taken. Uh, Super Mar-a-Lago Brothers. You have to. You have to go around and rescue Princess and Peach, but she's always in a different house of the. Nice. Uh, what about Grand Theft Autocracy? It's, uh, collusions of Grandeur. Oh, I like it. Uh, Mana Fortnite. Um. All right, well, his version of Call of Duty was recalled due to bone spurs. Um, uh, Ooh, Cub FIFA. (laughs) Uh, Mein Kampfcraft. Nice. Um, So you got to develop a city without letting black people into your building. Like a sim. How about porn Starcraft? (laughs) Starcraft. (laughs) We get it. Uh, uh, Golden Shower Rangers. Available on the Wii. Yeah, but you should hold out because you can get the whole cabinet with the wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> my, my wee joke was good. I don't know why you had to throw that. Like, my wee joke was doing just fine on its own. Wee, Punch like up. piss. I helped. Yeah, thank Donald you. Donald Trump got peed on. So, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, one more. Uh, what about Donald Trump's punch out uh, with a tiny little white power glove? <laughs> Tiny little baby hands, but you can't win because it's just you, Joe Biden just beats the fuck out of you the whole time. <laughs> all that happens in the game. All right. So on that blast from the past to the second power, I guess we can close out the headlines for the night. Eli Heath, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, Dennis Prager will be here to de-educate you. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you. Hey, uh, guys, what the hell are you doing? Oh, hey, Noah. Heath and I are mailing our non-patrons some spit for Christmas. Now you do one. Do, do one. Oh, this, this is going to be good. I can tell it's going to be good. Oh, oh this is going to be good. Why 
Are you mailing spit to non-patrons? Oh, so they'll become patrons, silly. They're going to open their package from us and be like, oh, cool. It's from no, oh, damn, I don't want to get this next year. I'll jump right on at Patreon.com to support the show. <laughs> Just Eli, Keith, first of all, stop making those sounds. We're in people's headphones. You're going to make somebody drive off the fucking road. Second, anyone who hasn't signed up at Patreon.com is going to sign up for good reasons, not because you sent them spit. Uh Good reasons? Yeah, what are good Yeah, I mean, like patrons get an early extended version of our show that can play on any podcast player. They get access to our patron-only AMAs, plus high-level patrons get free diatribes books. Wait, people get all that just for supporting the show? Not just that, they get the warm and toasty feeling that comes with knowing that without them, we couldn't do what we do. <clears throat> no, that's true. That's true, I guess. So, what do you say? You, you guys want to throw those out? Okay, well, the one he's doing now is for Joel Osteen, though. Technically, not a patron. Okay, yeah, so we were. So, could we just dump all the other ones into his? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We know that the holidays are right around the corner, and we also know that a lot of you gave to Vulgarity for Charity, so you'd have an insult to leave in the stocking of someone special. So, for tonight's Vulgarity for Charity mini, we're going to get downright festive, and for that, I'll need a couple of little helpers. So, still here are Heath Enright and the guy who always writes an intro for himself in intros, even on bits where he's already there, Eli Bosnick. Woo! Yeah. I'm hey, here. Eli. Eli's here. Still on the show. All right, <laughs> gentlemen, are you ready to be the open fire to a couple of assholes chestnuts here? Get sure. It, we're going to roast them. No, Getting okay. Roasting. All right, Eli, this first one's for you. <laughs> Trevor would like us to bro roast his brother, Roger. Okay. Uh, Roger looks like he owes Larry the Cable Guy copyright money. <laughs> if a used car could sell a person, it would be Roger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take this next one. Denny donated 200 bucks to roast his coworker, who looks like the promo shot for the upcoming Netflix docuseries Making a Molester, and his <laughs> sister-in-law, who looks like a chameleon. And not in the sense that she resembles one, but she looks in the way that they do, with both eyes moving <laughs> independently. It's creepy as fuck. She also looks like she'd list karaoke under special skills on a job application. <laughs> uh, and speaking of coworkers, Heath, Adam also gave us 200 bucks to roast his coworkers. Okay, that was Kevin and Jim. Got it. All right. Uh, Kevin looks like a fire flower with diabetes. Oh, he does. And uh, Jim looks like Kevin wilted 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I'm not sure how they pulled this off, but uh, same goes for their lady friends in the picture. It's, it's like they're all part of an overweight remake of Back to the Future. <laughs> Baby Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> All right, time to get cruel and unusual. Eli, Wendy has asked you to roast Shakespeare. How dare you, <laughs> Wendy? Why? Why? Okay, uh, here we go. It's for charity. Um, hey, Shakespeare, you know, even though you invented the human being, you went downhill faster than Tesla. And that guy fucked a pigeon. <laughs> I mean, Pericles? Seriously? Thought you were going to save that shit with an act two monologue and by putting your name on it? You wrote Merry Wives of Windsor. By the time you got around to Pericles and Tempest, you were Avatar-era M. Night Shyamalan of playwrights. <laughs> also, you should have been nicer to Ben Johnson. Like, he knew, and you knew. Come on, dick. All right, Heath, I got a painful one for you here. AJ wrote us an incredibly lovely note about his friend Jason who passed away and then requested us to roast him. So all you, bro. 
What the fuck? Seriously? (laughs) Yep. So messed up. All right. So first of all, uh, fun little coincidence. We have a Google Doc with all the emails and photos um, pasted in there uh, as they arrived. And the photo that just happened to be above AJ's note is showing a guy on a rope swing. Oh, God. All I could think of was like, what the fuck? Did Jason die while... Trying to swing to Terabithia without a spotter? Like, <laughs> rookie, rookie mistake. But that was actually a different donor. Um, Jason died of cancer. So, Jason, first of all, boring. <laughs> Boom. Uh, the rope swing would have been way better for a roast. It's not all about you. I'm just saying, you know, die better. Also, uh, you look like a wedding DJ who calls himself a host and tries to keep things classy. Yeah. You you look like the predator on school picture day. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. And speaking of weird, Chuck requested that I roast a fungus. He didn't say which one, so I'm tempted to go after Trump's dick. But in keeping with the spirit of the fundraiser, hey, nice annulus, Amanita Verosa. Makes you look like a fucking foliota squarosa in a turtleneck. Very dignified. You're so ugly. I'm surprised you can muster the enthusiasm to reproduce asexually. Oh, All right, burn. <laughs> Eli, friend of the show and host of the Naked Mormonism podcast, Bryce Blankenale has asked for you to roast him and his fiance. Woo! He, he sent a picture of the two of them from the day they got engaged. Okay, here we but, go. But you cannot use the word soup. Uh, what about... <laughs> or stew or goulash or chowder or Campbell's or any other soup words. Okay, uh, here we go. Let's see. Um, Annie told me that her and Bryce are having a small wedding, so they've only invited his listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Annie looks like she just realized that, for whatever reason, she agreed to marry the guy who runs the IT help desk at Gringotts. <laughs> she's, not, she's not looking good. You, you can see her smile fading in the still photograph. Yeah, no, that's a, another yeah. Back to the Future reference there. Oh, right. We're supposed to do Annie. Um, okay. Annie's a lovely person who I will probably have to meet again when I object at their wedding. So um, <laughs> I'm going to take the easy way out here and say that Annie has terrible taste in men, but great taste in soup. Eli, what did I say? I regret nothing. <laughs> okay. So Heath, here's a tough one. Sarah is deployed in the Middle East right now, and she'd like a roast of the Eagles, the band, not the NFL team, and the guy in the photo with her. All right. So uh, the Eagles found their sound when somebody was playing Zeppelin on the radio, and Don Henley was like, bro, people are trying to talk in this elevator. Wait a minute. (laughs) Eureka. (laughs) And uh, as for the guy in the picture, that is rough. Uh, Sarah looks like she's about to get her tongue stuck on that racist snowman. <laughs> Still, it's nice. We, we now have photo evidence of the time a beautiful woman ran her tongue along Heath's face and his response was, let's get you into an Uber. Huh? Let's get you home safe and sound. <laughs> All right, Noah and Heath, this one's for you. Patrick would like you to roast Steelers fans. Oh, okay. Can I just... <laughs> Can I just say Levy and Bell several times? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steelers fans. So, um, you know how nobody's going to be wearing around Harvey Weinstein jerseys for the next 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> well, they would in Pittsburgh if he had a better arm. Yeah, there That's you how go. It works in Pittsburgh. 
All right, and finally, Alexandra donated a hundred bucks in hopes of getting a Christmas roast for her beloved boyfriend, John. All right, uh, John looks like someone sent their ventriloquist dummy to rehab. <laughs> John looks like if a cartoon woodchuck uh, smiled for a picture with Alexandra. He looks like a cartoon woodchuck looks, and uh, now he's about to explain how he makes a really nice. Chocolate stout homebrew. Go the fuck away. No, you don't. No, absolutely, you do not, liar. Cartoon woodchuck liar. All right, so that's going to do it for this holiday edition of Vulgarity for Charity. There's still plenty of vulgarity to get through, though. So if you haven't heard yours yet, you don't need to email me about it. It's just, it's going to, we got a lot. So stay tuned, and we promise to get to it as quick as we can. Eli Heath, thanks as always. You know, there's a lot of things I want for Christmas this year, but there's only one that I want above all others. And it's one of those things that you just know you can't get. It's not something you can buy and it's not something you can ask for. But then I woke up one morning and I saw a Christmas miracle in the form of a Facebook post. A listener by the name of Jeremiah posted a link to a video and it said, I'd give my left nut if the guys break this video down on the show. And Jeremiah's left nut is exactly what I'd asked Santa for. So to secure that debt, I call right. we're proud to present yet another God Awful Mini. So tell us, Heath, what will we be breaking down today? All right. We watched Just Say Merry Christmas. <laughs> 4.2 million views Jesus on YouTube. Prager you, Dennis oh, no. Prager. <laughs> yep. And it's the story of Dennis Prager trying to work through some aggressive spittle on camera <laughs> for five minutes. It is rough. It's like he showed up on set and the director was like, hey, buddy, what's up? You try to eat a handful of flour again just by itself? <laughs> no? Are you lying? Are you clearly lying? Whatever. I don't that. fucking care. I hate my life. Let's go. We're just doing it. Did you say that without blowing bubbles, buddy? No? No? Nope. Okay. All I right. cannot. And well, we're already rolling. Great. Okay. <laughs> and Eli, how bad was this mini? Well, if you love feeling smart, but literally everywhere you go that knows things thinks you're a fucking idiot... <laughs> you will love this mini. Oh, it's PragerU. PragerU, by the way, is not affiliated with an academic institution or anything. It's just that dude's name with a U at the end. Yep. PragerU, the master at the top of the mountain for everyone's asshole uncle. It's the University of Hard Knocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Their motto is actually, I'm not joking, undoing the damage of the university Five minutes at a time. Oh, Jesus. That is actually Christ. their motto. Wow. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start off by meeting this bizarre combination of, he's like halfway between Newt Gingrich and just a Newt. That's Dennis Prager. He's the <laughs> one that hosts these things. It looks like Bernie Sanders uh, overdosed on milk. Like, <laughs> like Bernie completed his Judaism and became Christian by. <laughs> Overdosing on milk. He looks like Brian Dennehy playing a Macy's float. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so he comes up and he goes, the change from wishing people Merry Christmas to Happy Holidays is a very significant development. <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> and by the way, you can tell which of the two of those is worse because Merry Christmas has a much happier font. 
So he says, proponents of happy holidays, that would be us, by the way, argue that it's no big deal. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, you have nailed my argument, to be fair. I would, that's how I also would have phrased it. <laughs> yep. And apparently we're calling them hysterical yeah. about this whole Christmas thing. And oh, he's like, we? these happy holidays people are calling me hysterical? I made a goddamn university. I saw the Dodge Stratus. I am perfectly calm. They're hysterical. I'm calmer, calmer than, you than you are. Calmer than you are, dude. Calmer than you are. Well, but so, but then he gives us the slippery slope argument, right? He's like, you know, it's not just Merry Christmas. They're also coming after the term Christmas vacation and Christmas party. Where does it all end? Yeah, it's great. His actual argument is, which is it? Is being racist not hard or is not being racist not a big deal. I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm a grown-up. I'm allowed to drive cars. I'm hysterical. They want to use the phrase holiday party now, too? I'm his are you fucking kidding? I will murder the next person who says holiday or calls me hysterical. <laughs> and murder. And okay. Attica. And his Attica, argument man. here seems to be that you can tell how much it matters to us because all of the effort that we devote to it. I'm like, you made this video. <laughs> right we're just making fun of it later man we didn't have to draw nothing or nothing all right so every the, the, now we get the little montage of all the different cartoon characters all the different stick figures telling him happy holidays everywhere he goes <laughs> it's okay <laughs> and even in animation dennis prager's life is a sad heart he <laughs> dines alone he travels alone <laughs> he dines alone in his own it's why uh, you know the animator was like should i put your wife and kids in here and he was like no no, no. that's <laughs> just gonna be confusing if people see see a woman weeping while i <laughs> masturbate to a mirror maybe i could sit next to heath no he doesn't he likes sitting alone <laughs> Yeah, so and, and he says, uh, he's like, everyone says to me, happy holidays. And then he says, like, but when they say that to me, I respond, Merry Christmas. And when he does that, all the little stick figures gasp. Oh, Jesus. And, and, but he points out that, look, even though I make people visibly uncomfortable, they secretly love it. I bet. Yes. Yeah, no, their <laughs> mouth may have said no, but their eyes said yes to Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, and he, and he and explains that though he says it's the sensitivity training that makes them gasp. All that sensitivity, well, except for the ones that just had sensitivity naturally. <laughs> the <other> with, <laughs> also, by the way, this is the the animation is of a, a mostly empty airplane at this point. Yeah. So, uh -huh. if people seem uncomfortable, it's because you just yelled something across an airplane <laughs> cabin that's mostly empty. <laughs> The content doesn't really matter because you're a crazy person yelling across an airplane. That's what's <laughs> happening, Dennis Prager. And so th this is where, he, again, he completely non-hysterically screams in all caps, of course, that's a war on Christmas. And then he says, or more precisely, this is how quickly this shit escalates in his mind. It's a war on the religious nature of America. <laughs> he actually <laughs> says, he's like, they accuse us of fabricating this war on Christmas. 
Uh, go ahead and give the uh, cartoon atheist an assault rifle right here. <laughs> That's ridiculous. A war yes. on Christmas? Yes. The That's little, what literally happens in the cartoon right when he says that. The us uh, stick figure has a machine gun and the them stick figure has a Christmas president. That's how we know that we're the bad guys. Here. Super unrealistic. <laughs> we don't even know where that other stick figure parked. So like that's not. <laughs> Chapel Hill murders. Google. It's funny. It's a no, very yeah, funny no, joke. No, I get it. And, and then he says, the left believes in secularism as much as Jews and Christians believe in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. That's why we're always really? breaking the law, putting up podcasts in churches, you know, yeah, murdering um, non-believers. <laughs> rampant. Rampant. Oh, Jesus Liberals are Christ. radically faithful in their secularism. And dogmatic beliefs like that are edit. <laughs> uh, well, interference. And, and the thing is, the, his entire argument is this, I know you are, but what am I shit, right? He says at one point, he's like, secularists hate it because Merry Christmas reminds them of how religious America is. It's No, it, that's the, it, like, Christians hate hearing happy, like, he just heard good arguments against his position and switched out the groups. Yep. Right? <laughs> that's this entire fucking video. He might as well just go straight into a meltdown here. Just like the left is making a video right now about how much they hate a phrase. <laughs> and now they're having serious doubts about their entire life's work. And maybe realizing they're a giant embarrassment. <laughs> and their family looks like Bernie Sanders overdosed on milk. You're projecting. <laughs> you're all projecting. And here we get my favorite argument is. Sure, secularists say when you say Merry Christmas, it doesn't include Jews, but I'm a Jew and I think it's fine. Yeah, okay, so yeah, <laughs> it, it, this is where he lays out the inclusiveness thing. But, you know, it's, right. he says instead of secretly admitting that they just hate Cindy Lou Who and her infernal joy, atheists pretend that they want to be inclusive. <laughs> Yeah, that was, no, I mean, like, our meeting was very similar to that. It was like, okay, how should we get this happy holidays thing going? Should we pretend we like Jews, I guess? We'll, <laughs> we'll just pretend we like Jews, right? That'll do it. And blacks? Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, Perfect. no, of course. Yeah. yeah, but he says he says in here that the inclusive argument is preposterous because he's a fucking Jew. A Jew. <laughs> he's just talking about all the Jews that have written Christmas songs. I'm like, wow, Jews love Christmas so much that they'll take Christians money. Amazing. <laughs> Do you know, Jews are actually physically capable of writing Christmas songs. <laughs> Jews. It's true. Seriously, <laughs> like me, fucking Jews. Can you down. believe that shit? Look it up. Look, watch. Jingle bells. Oh, coughs out a Did frog. It. That only happens the first time. <laughs> it's okay. I represent all Jews. I'm yes. a good house elf. What you guys can you can all say kike. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Enjoy. I'm allowing everybody to say kike. I'm I'm cool. We're cool. I'll teach you our Jewish handshake. <laughs> that is it's done it's done over locks and bagels. That's the secret. I love to that at one point he's again the I know you are, but what am I? He says, if you don't wish me Merry Christmas, you're excluding me from 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 being said Merry Christmas to. See? Same same thing though. You you wish are. me a Merry Christmas right the fuck now. Do it. <laughs> Say my name. Drink my pee. Merry Christmas. <laughs> but of course, he's so convincing that he can throw away his best argument and it'll still work. So he says, but even if Christmas wasn't a national holiday, I'd still want everyone to say Merry Christmas to me, because otherwise that would mean that they wanted me to have a shitty Christmas then. 
And he exemplifies this by the atheist character beating Santa to death with his bare hands. Yes. <laughs> it's the greatest moment. The cartoon, the shitty cartoon just beats the fuck out of Santa Claus. With it's a full so go good. Bruce Lee sound oh. effects. Psh, psh, psh. We absolutely need to reenact this cartoon in live action. I want to beat the shit out of a Santa so bad. Oh. Santa starts saying Merry Christmas. I just kick him in the face. Oh, That's our stunt. We beat up Santas. We're the atheists who beat up Santas. Everyone's got to do the like, they don't represent us thing, but then a whole bunch of people join our side. Come on! Yes! Game plan. Two votes. Uh, That's our PSA right there. Happy holidays from the scathing atheist. Beat up Santa Claus. The more you know. All right. So, and also, okay, this is how dumb his fucking arguments are. He literally tries to make the argument that it's mean spirited not to say Merry Christmas to your coworkers and your friends because that means you don't want them to have a Merry Christmas. But like, your entire argument is against saying Happy Holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe everyone just says what they want. I don't know. You're being hysterical. Fuck you. You're losing your goddamn mind. (laughs) You are largely supported by the Koch brothers in a fake thing that you know isn't real, but you you know you're going to die soon. You just want a little bit more money because your education was wasted and socially acceptable. You have a $10 million a year budget that you spend on YouTube videos with (laughs) animations. (laughs) Stick figures. Yeah. Oh. So he wraps us th- this up by imploring us. As he says, so please say Merry Christmas. If not, you're not inclusive. You're hurtful. You're hurtful. Hurtful. Well, I guess, <laughs> I, I, look, if there's one thing Dennis Prager can rest assured of, it's that if I see him in public, I will not say happy holidays to him. <laughs> <laughs> And while you at home guess what I would say, we're going to wrap up this edition of God Awful Minis. Heath, Eli, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You. Get him. Get him, Heath. Get him. Before we rev up the reindeer tonight, I want to remind everybody that there are still tickets available to our live gam show in Dallas on January 12th, and there's technically still time to get those as gifts if you're as bad at this shopping shit as I am. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Monday, an even newer episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show would bring shame upon my family if I neglected to thank Keith Enright for guiding my sleigh tonight. I need to thank the lovely Lucinda Lusions for being a jolly happy soul. I need to thank Eli Bosnick for donning all that gay apparel, and I want to thank the definitely not Heath for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. That was a different person, and I am not completely out of Farnsworth quote and failed to realize that until I was recording the outro. Incidentally, apropos of nothing, check the website for details on how you can submit your Farnsworth quote if you should want to do something like that. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best bipeds, Amanda, Gary, Jemima, Dylan, Horatio, and Riley. Amanda and Gary, whose IQs have twos in them even when you express them in binary, Jemima and Dylan, who are faster than a speeding Kryptonian, and Horatio and Riley, who have been asked not to sleep on their backs by the Federal Aviation Administration. 
Together, this half-dozen delightful doubters dispensed a dollop of dough to our devious dissections of doctrinal delusions this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money to give us money, but if you do, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help but giving us money is a whole big thing, you can also help a ton by liking our Facebook page, rating us on iTunes, and telling a friend about the show. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. If you've got a brand new... So if you've got a brand new spanking... So if you've got a brand spank, spanking, brand spank, pranking. I like pranking. Angle. I like pranking, though. I like pranking. I feel like that. We're, the earth is ready for that portmanteau, damn it. There we go. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.